I like to collect typos, things that went to print that kind of slipped past the editor. And I'd like to share three of them with you. Here's, here's one that was, uh, this is an article from the Detroit News. 40, some 40% 40 of female gas station employees in Metro Detroit are women. <laughs> you didn't catch that, did you? Some 40% of female gas station employees in Metro Detroit are women, up from almost none a year ago. Here's another one. This is from the Toronto Star. <coughs> Marijuana, this is the headline, Marijuana issue sent to a joint committee. <laughs> that really slipped fast. And here's the third one. This is a classified ad uh, in the Entrepreneur magazine. Quote, publicize your business absolutely free. Send $6. <laughs> They're going to get you coming or going. So we're, we're looking uh, this morning at part one of this uh, series we're looking at, You Should Know Better, for things that we should already know. And, and today what I want to do is I want to look at the book of Romans, because there are five specific things it tells us in Romans actually more than that, but I'm going to focus on these five, that we should already know. It should be found a foundational part of our faith. And, and let me just say this before we get going. You can really divide the book of Romans in half. The first half is he lays out our dilemma, the problem we have, the sin nature that's, that's in our life. The last half of, uh, of the book of Romans then, starting in chapter 8, is, is he talks about uh, our walk with God now. So he looks at the way we used to live our lives and the way now in faith we walk our, uh, our lives. <clears throat> We're going to look at both aspects today. The first thing that we should know, if you want to fill in your blank there, is we should know about God's covenant. There's a covenant God has. A covenant is like an agreement, a contract. It's, um, it's, it's where you put your heart on the line. I guess, I guess the closest thing we have in our culture, although it really doesn't align, is a handshake. You know, when, when I do business with somebody, I reach out and I shake their hand. I still do that today. Uh, we've signed the contract, we've signed everything, but the last thing I do on the way out the door is I look them in the eye and I shake hands with them. I'm saying, I'm in this. I hope you are. I'm in it. <clears throat> the scripture I'm getting this from is in Romans chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, where it says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. So a couple things we learn here. We learn that the, when he talks about the law, he's not talking about the statutes here in the state of Indiana. He's talking about the Mosaic law, a law that God gave to the Jews, a list of do's and don'ts, thou shalt and thou shalt nots. It goes beyond the, the Ten Commandments. There are hundreds of rules that God gave the Israelites in the Mosaic law. 
going into great detail. I am not a Jew. The Mosaic law was not written for me. I am not under the law. And I think the church sometimes makes a mistake going back into the Old Testament and pulling out parts of the Mosaic law and trying to apply it to today as if we are New Testament Jews. The good news is I have a whole new covenant. It's a covenant where God is shaking my hand and I'm shaking his and I'm in agreement with him. We have this covenant relationship and it has nothing to do with a, a list of do's and don'ts. It has nothing to do with a moral standard. It has everything to do with a right spiritual relationship between me and Father God. And that only comes through what Jesus Christ did on the cross and the Holy Spirit bringing it to me personally. It's all three parts of the Godhead connecting to me. I am in a new covenant, and I have promised my life to him, and he has promised to watch over me. That's a covenant relationship. The second thing I want us to see is the, the law was given for the purpose of identifying sin. That's why it was given. God never did want the, want the Jews to be able to say, there. I've done it. I've accomplished it. I've done everything you wanted. He wanted, that wasn't the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law was to say, here's how I want my creation to live. Here are the values. Not so that we could measure up to the values and say, aha, I have accomplished it. That's not the purpose. The purpose of the law was to point out the fact we were sinners. Do we see that? It was, to, it was to bring me to the point of saying, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and it's not good enough. I need more than what I can get by trying. Amen. I need to rest in what Jesus did yes. for me. Yes. Just rest in it. The law was given to identify sin. And the third thing I want us to see is that no one is justified by following the law. No one can sit back proudly and say, I did this or I did that, therefore I go to heaven. No one can say, well, I was baptized, therefore I get to go to heaven. No, no, no. You get to go to heaven because of what Jesus did on the cross. Amen. And because of what Jesus did on the cross and because we believe it, we ought to be baptized. Yes. Right? So we should know about God's covenant relationship that he has with us. Here's the second thing we should know about from Romans. And this is found in, in Romans chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. We should know about deliverance. You know what deliverance is? That's to be delivered from something. To have some kind of a bondage, some kind of a burden, and to be delivered from it so you don't have that weighting you down. I'm getting this from Romans chapter 6, verses 5, 6, and 7. He says, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. Next verse. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free 
from sin. Jesus Christ went to the cross, gave his life up to pay the price for our sin. He who had no sin pays the price for those of us that do. So anyone who has died, we're not just, we're not talking about your body dying and having a funeral for you. We're not talking about that. We're talking about you die to yourself. This old selfish nature that wants me, 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 me. It's time for us to stop being the me, me generation. And it's time for us to grow up and realize God's put us here for others to invest ourselves in others, to get outside of our selfishness. Stop. So, we, so we're talking about the death of the old self. And when you become born again, a part of that being born again should be that you recognize everything good about you is condemned. We need to step into the grace of God and step into a covenant relationship with God and let God renew us. So my old self is dead. I need to consider it dead. Why would I want to keep picking it up and living like I did before when I've been set free by the death of Christ? So I need to step into that covenant relationship and I need to die to myself. That's what he's talking about. And deliverance is really a battle for your mind because you used to think like a sinner you used to make decisions like a sinner therefore you used to act like a sinner but we should know something now we didn't know before we should know something about deliverance that Jesus died on the cross so that we could be delivered that he rose from the dead so that we can rise like him if we have a, a, the death of the old man like Christ died, there should be a resurrection of the new man like Christ experienced. There should be a resurrection. And baptism, as we just witnessed, typifies that. It's a visual of that. But that should be happening on the inside of us. There's a resurrection. It's a battle for our mind. Because Christ died for sinners. So if you're a sinner, he died for you. It's okay. Embrace that. Acknowledge it as part of your testimony. Because if you die in Christ, it is a done deal. Christ doesn't go back and do it again. Just because you messed up as a Christian, you don't have to go back and put yourself back on the cross for him. He paid the price once for all. We getting this? We should know about deliverance. Here's the third thing we should know about. We should know about the resurrection. I'm not talking about Easter. Of course we know about the resurrection. We've heard about the story of Christ. We've seen films about that. I'm talking about your resurrection. In Romans chapter 6, verses 8, 9, and 10, it says, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. 
we should know about the resurrection. Christ died once for all. He's not going to do it again. He doesn't have to do it again. Death doesn't rule over him. And if you are in Christ, death doesn't rule over you. So don't let it. The wages of sin is death. He paid the price for our sin. Therefore, we don't have to keep living in that. You believe in the resurrection? This is an honest-to-goodness letter written from the Department of Social Services in Greenville, South Carolina. Quote, Your food stamps will be stopped immediately because we received notice that you passed away. Who are they sending that to? May, um, this is a quote, May God bless you. You may reapply if there is a change in your circumstances. <laughs> Even the state of South Carolina believes in the hope and the resurrection. <laughs> and I believe in the hope of a resurrection. Yes. That you, dead in your sins, can be resurrected and live new life in Christ. I believe that. I want to see that happen because it's a part of my story. It's a part of who I am. I've seen it happen with me. And because I've seen it happen with me, I know it can happen with anybody. But we've got to lay our old self down. We've got to step into covenant with Jesus Christ. All right, here's number four. We should know about spiritual things. Romans chapter 7 verse 14 says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. Ah, we're supposed to know that the law was spiritual. I've always been taught that the law was physical. It was just a bunch of do's and don'ts and a bunch of rules to follow. But he just tells us that the law was spiritual because God made a covenant with his people. And he tells his people, if you will live this way, then this is my promise for you. It was a covenant relationship. Something was in the spirit. If the people would follow his guidance under that old covenant, God would then move in their lives and they would prosper. They would be successful. That life would be good. Amen. But there was a responsibility the people had which they didn't measure up. They, they just gave up on it. They let the priests do all that stuff. And God had to lift his blessing off of them. So keeping God's law isn't physical rules. It's disciplining ourselves to walk in a level that pleases God. Now, we don't have a book of rules to follow. What we have is the presence of God himself, the spirit of God called the Holy Spirit living inside of us, abiding inside of us. And he does speak to us and he does say, uh, 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 don't do that. And he does say, you see that problem over there? Why don't you step over and fix that problem? He will lead us. He will guide us. He will say, now that's a project you probably ought to make an investment in. Or here's a need over here that somebody needs to fill. You can do this. The Holy Spirit speaks to us in that still, small voice. 
Now, I don't know about you, but occasionally he shouts at me. But usually it's so still and so small. If I'm not paying attention, I'll miss it. I want to be led by his spirit. So I've got to shut up and pay attention and look for, look for opportunities. Look for doors to step through. Quit trying to push open doors that God's closed. Being led by his spirit is an amazing thing. But when you're brand new in the faith, you don't see the evidence because God's not in a big hurry. God plants seeds. And you know seeds don't grow real fast. Have you noticed that? You plant a seed and you got you to go do something else while you wait because it's not going to respond to you very quickly. God makes things grow slowly. And it's like that in your spiritual lives as well. We all grow slowly. And I'll, I'll make you promise, when you get my age, you're going to be able to look back and you're going to be able to see the growth that took place. You can't see it because it's slow, slow when you're starting to wade through it. But when you look back over your life, I can see the hand of God in my life. And I especially want to tell young people that because you're just beginning. But trust me, there's going to come a time when you want to be able to look back and not see a trail of debris, but look back and see the hand of God. So keeping God's law isn't physical rules. But he goes on in the very next, word, very next verse, and he describes confusion. He says, I want to please God, but the things I should do and want to do, I find myself not doing. And I find myself doing the things I don't want to do. He's describing sin nature. There's confusion. So following the rules leads to confusion because I want to follow them, but I keep finding myself taking shortcuts, cheating just a little bit here, a little bit there, as long as nobody's watching. But God's watching all the time. So what happens is, we, is, is when we follow God's rules, that still small voice that he speaks inside of us, and by the way, He'll speak to me a, something to do. He won't speak to you. He'll tell me I can't do something. Well, you can do that just fine. I can't drink that. But you can. How unfair is that? It's because God has a personal relationship with each of us, and he knows our hang-ups, and he knows our weaknesses, and he's forbidding us to do the things that's going to bring death about in our life. It's okay for somebody else to do it. Not okay for me. So the church gets into trouble trying to legislate morality. God tells me I can't do this, I can't do that, so we go out and we try to put that law on everybody else, and they're not where we are. Somebody say amen. amen. To be born again is to wake up to God. To wake up to spiritual things. To see God moving in our lives where we didn't see him before. That's what being born again is. Which takes us to number five. The fifth thing. We should know about God's intervention. A lot of people, a lot of people today say, I believe in God, but, you know, where is he? Where is he? God's not going to answer my prayers. He's not going to do anything for me. They don't believe God intervenes in the affairs of man. They believe that the belief in God is going to get me to heaven someday when I die, I hope. 
But God's present today in Romans 8.28 is a foundational verse. It's probably my favorite verse in the Bible. And we know that in all things, everybody say all things. All things. God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That verse is amazingly filled with truth. Three things I want us to observe. Number one, God works all things together. It's God that's working it out, not me, not the church, not Pastor Deal's job. It's God that works all things together for good. God will, it's, it's, it's like my wife. She gets something out of the cupboard and pours it in a bowl. Stuff tastes terrible. And she'll get something else out and put it in there with it. That tastes bad too. And then she'll get an egg out and break the egg and put the, the, the whole egg in there. You ever tried to eat an egg raw? And she'll put a bunch of other stuff in there, and she'll mix, mix the stuff up all together, whip it all together, a bunch of yucky stuff, put it in the oven, and it comes out tasting good. She's a miracle worker. How does that happen? Well, you know the answer. Something happens when you mix all that stuff together, and you put heat on it. And God knows how to take some good stuff and some bad stuff, and some more bad stuff, and some even more bad stuff, and mix it all together, and put it in a pressure cooker, and it comes out tasting great. He's a miracle worker. Yes, and he worked miracles in our lives if we'll allow him to do that. Amen. So it's God that works for the good. And then the second thing I want us to see, and we've got to remember this, it's God works for good. God's intentions are good. God does not want to hurt us. God's not interested in punishing us. If we're Christians, he satisfied his punishment on the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. He poured out his wrath upon Jesus. He's not mad at us anymore. He wants to work good in our lives if we're in Christ, if we're believers. So God is good. Uh, we forgot our rule. We have a rule. We have a law here. If somebody says God is good, you have to say all the time. So God is good. Now you're passing the test. We need to keep reminding ourselves because things that happen to us as Christians don't always look good. And we can't see why... How is God going to bring anything good out of this bad situation? But God's got a way to do it because he's working for our good in the end. And then we can't forget this final clause. This is crucial. According to his purpose. His job is not to make you happy. Your job is to please him. You've got to get yourself out of it. The old man has to die. The old self has to die. This is according to his purpose. If you want to please God, that's how to get God working on behalf of you. 
You got to do the things he wants you to do. And then he begins prospering your way. You see, it's a step in the spirit. We're opening up doors for God's spirit to bring prosperity and blessing into our lives. But we got to keep ourselves out of it. So if you, I guess Daniel said this really well in his communion meditation where he was talking about, I forgot what he was talking about. I was going someplace. The expectations, unrealistic expectations. Yes, if you believe that, that God is going to do things a certain way, forget it. He doesn't, he doesn't mo- use your, your thoughts and concepts as his model. He's always got a better way, and he's always th- thinking three or four steps ahead of us. So it's a, it's a walk of faith. We have to walk by faith. It's according to his purpose. So some of the things God lets happen to me aren't according to my purpose. He didn't ask for my permission. He just dumped this on me because he knows the result he wants to get. And he knows I would never do the things on my own to get me there. So he knows how to kick me along a little bit. Wants to move me over there. Push me over there. This is God. He loves us. And he always wants good for us. Let's stand together. These are things we're supposed to know. These are foundational things, things we're supposed to understand right from the very beginning. So I I hope that you're buying into this. I hope that it's helping you. I hope that you'll continue to walk in this faith journey because God is good. And he is moving us where he wants us to be. And he is not going to let us stay where we are. He's got to get us away from there to move us where he wants us to be. That's, that's living out the story of Abraham and God's, how God wants to work in his life. He's got to leave where he is. He's got to go where he doesn't know because God's got a plan. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that we can come together like this and open up the Word of God and have it speak to us and give life to us and give hope to us right in the middle of uh, a crisis. And I know some of us are right right at that crisis time. And we just pray for your strength, Father, that you're going to help us to do what pleases you and help us to know what that is and help us to help one another on the journey. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. We've got some prayer partners that will be here at the front. If you have a prayer request, bring it to them. They want to partner with you and agree with you in prayer. Go with God. He loves you.